0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Job Hunter podcast. I'm still your host, Tim French, fortunately or not. Today, it's lights, camera, action as we sit down to discuss what it's like to be an independent filmmaker in the UK. I managed to catch up with two of the UK's premier filmmakers to discuss what you need to do to get into the profession, the fundamentals of good filmmaking and how to jump 30 feet in the air holding a £300,000 cinema camera. So, if you could grab your ticket, find your seat, recording is encouraged. Sit back, relax, and let's roll the episode. pleasure to welcome Ross Welch from Perspective Studios and Jack Tompkins from Ben and Jack Studio. Uh, Ross, let's start off by finding a little bit more about you. Um, what exactly is Perspective Studios?
1: Wow. That, yeah, that's good. I feel like I should have been expecting this question because I don't know why, but that's put me well on the spot. <laughs> what is it? What is your business? Tell me. Tell me what it is. Um, justify yourself. Um, we are, in essence, just a production company. Um, so we create video content and photography content and, and just general digital content, I guess, uh, for a number of businesses uh, all over the world. And uh, we get to work on some amazing shoots. Um, yeah, but we, we effectively create the content that you see on your social media pages.
0: Jack, how, how would you say your business differs to Perspective Studios? Oh.
2: That's a, a tough, tough question right there. I haven't worked with Ross in a long time. I think he's he's got this lovely new studio. It's a team, a team full of staff, lots of people. I don't know. We're uh, I think in, in awe of what Ross is doing, but no, we're, um, we're Ben and Jack studio. We're a production company based in Maidenhead, run by myself, my incredible business partner and director of photography, Ben Marlowe. Uh, we do a lot of uh, documentary, short form, uh, sports, fashion, music. Um, so kind of sitting just below that sort of high-end uh, commercial crew, we kind of come in with two of us and tend to do uh, bring a whole load of gear and kind of make the best project we can with a a lean mean production crew and um i mean if we could do a bit of a name drop have you got any noticeable brands that you've been working with recently uh who have we done recently this month Here have we done uh, we've done virgin active uh, we've done the bbc earlier this year we've just finished off a big rugby documentary which i've been desperate to talk about for a year but i still can't talk about at the end of the month really sadly which is coming out later this month but uh, <laughs> yeah lots of i don't know it's, it's probably the same for you ross you work with lots of cool people there's the big brands there's a the small brand and it's 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 the people it doesn't matter what organization they are or, or what they're doing
1: yeah mate i i completely agree you're, you're totally right and, and i actually um i explain this to a lot of People, I'm sure we'll dive into this. I also have another company, which is an academy, um, which I train up other filmmakers to to create stable businesses and things. Um, more so like the business side of actually what it takes to be a filmmaker and being, you know, do what me and Jack are doing effectively. Um, but yeah, I always say, you know, it's not necessarily about the big names. It's actually all the people along the way, you know, it's all the small companies. Yes, we do work for your blue chip clients, you know, the, the globally. Um, known brands and Jack and I have, have had the pleasure of working on many of those projects with each other, uh, which is absolutely awesome. So I can vouch that Jack is your man for filming.
2: Um, Thank you, so I'll pay you for that later. How much was it for that? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <get the> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I think that, you know, it really is. It is about like all of the all the smaller businesses and, and how you can make a difference. And, and I'm sure if there's any creatives, it's it, watching this or listening to this, it's you know, it is just about Creating really cool content or at least content that you think is cool, and that you hope that the uh the client you know agrees with but of course, clients with bigger budgets does mean that you can do some slightly cooler things and and you do get to travel the world and various things like that, so it's a fun way of doing it.
0: And um, obviously, you're quite well established filmmakers now. But obviously, Evan has to start somewhere. What What would you say was your first big break, or how did you get into the filmmaking industry? I mean, each of you got very interesting stories. I kind of know a little bit already, but it'd be great if we could hear a bit more. <laughs>
1: Yeah, sure. So um, I will just summarise mine quite briefly, because it can be a very long one. Um, so I used to be a professional skier. I got sponsored and got to travel the world skiing. Uh, and that's actually how Jack and I met, because Jack was also a skier. Um, so we go back a very long way, actually. Uh, and the snow sports world is a very, uh, very small industry, actually. Uh, and especially with what we were doing, you know, it's very niche within freestyle skiing. Um, long story short, Um, I got injured quite a lot I don't know if that's because I wasn't any good Or maybe I just, whatever (laughs) I was in hospital a lot And then I started filmmaking for the fun and passion of it Went on to make a couple of ski films Because of course all of my friends skied Um, They went to various film festivals over the world And then on the back of that Just started to develop into some kind of career, and and as Jack said earlier, you know we've recently moved into a studio and we hire we we employ a team of people etc as well. So I'm going to loosely say I fell into it. Is that a terrible pun? Because I
0: love terrible puns on my podcast. Yeah, I mean, I mean,
1: (laughs) I guess I really didn't. When I when I look back on it, I mean, I wanted this as a job. Like I wanted to do something that. Hey, you know. I didn't know about filmmaking when I was skiing and I wasn't really interested in it, but hey, it kind of seems cool now and I want to give it a go. And if I can make some money, cool. And if I can't, then guess what? Don't, doesn't matter. I'm going to go and do something else and I'll, and I'll find something else I'm good at. Um, so yeah, so that was with, with me, but actually it's so, so cool being here with Jack because I haven't seen Jack in a while, but the last project we worked on obviously would have been last year now, um, more than likely. And perhaps that. Perhaps that riot squad thing, um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's just it's just super cool. Jack and I cross paths a lot over the years, and, and we go back some way. So I think it's awesome how how we're both doing. <laughs>
2: I was trying to, I think about the good old days. i try trying to remember how, I, I just remember Ross being a very big deal at Hemel when I was still learning to snowplow <laughs> and shout. I like, would I'd, I'd, I'd also see Ross do a trick and I'd be the one shouting at him. I think one time I, I shouted one, two times and we started to have a, a little chat. But uh, yes, yeah, so it's very <laughs> yeah. intertwined. It's been, it's been a good, it's come, 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 come up five, six, I forget to think, I'm getting yeah, old. I forget. I mean,
1: so Jack used to film me when, obviously when I was a skier, um, so, and, and ironically, obviously, I used to look up to Jack. I feel like this is just a bit like of romancing romance this it is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I used to look up to Jack, especially when I started filming. Jack gave me so much advice and, and you know, really did help me, like, get to where I was, like, on like the creative aspects of it as well and, and understand. And, and Jack and I will often have, like, chats just to see how things that we're doing in each other's businesses that might work for the other one and help help each other out. So that's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean like, well, I, I skied for like seven years or so, Jack. So, I mean, we're going back like 10 years, I reckon since, since i mean it's it it's
0: interesting you say that you, you two are having a bromance i mean i'm absolutely in awe because i know both of you individually and actually i know ross because of jack and i've known jack for years because we went to university together so it's weird, like you said how small this little bubble is um and other projects i do outside of podcasting um i work with ross on on various things and it's it's interesting how well kind of knitted together this community is isn't it really
1: yeah i think also as well um I'd be actually Really interested To to find out Jack Like how did you Get into it Because I've only Ever known you As a filmer
2: Really Oh um, How did I get into it I'm trying to think. It's, it's, it's a similar. it's Probably say so the same. Every, everyone in this industry seems to have a very similar story of having a hobby that they loved, and they started filming it, and it kind of rolls on. And that that was for me. I kind of I fell in love with skiing. Um, luckily, got to film with Ross a lot. And then yeah, I was at university at Loughborough with Tim, where there was lots of opportunities. And it's just it's it's a snowball effect, really, isn't it? Excuse the pun there, Tim. But um, you, you just find a hobby you love. You want to get better and better, and it just the opportunities come all of a sudden. Someone saying, "Oh, can you make me a video?" You do it. the Opportunities roll on, and yeah, like you say before you know it, you're you're doing it full time somehow. i back, and wondering how you got there <laughs> but it's, it's a cool career that you can't think it's when you teach we talk to future filmmakers it's the effort you put in it's a career that you can forge for yourself and forge the path that you want to do and um, regardless of the yeah, of, of what you really taking that but is that yeah, a little I, bit daunting
0: as well because there isn't such a clear vision to your profession if that makes sense you you haven't got a natural progression of being a manager and and whatever it, it, more an instance of whatever path you take and however far you push it you just gotta wait and see really but there is those opportunities out there
1: yeah, I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. From 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 my point of view, totally. And I think like something that people forget is that everyone starts in the same position. Like even if they're, you know, a billion pound company or whatever, you know, everyone has started, every business has started from, from nothing and, and built up. And I think that that's obviously amazing. Um, and, and definitely I see this a lot. Like I've, I was probably on two calls today with people who were very much the same thing. Like, what do I need to do? And it's like, well, I can kind of... <laughs> telling people isn't so much the thing it's actually just them action in it and because it can it is a snowball effect like like jack said it it just kind of happens but if you're willing to put in that work and you're willing to to try and just and just you know not live life on the edge because it's not much of a gamble but you know you just gotta just go with what you know is enjoyable And, and yeah like jack says all of a sudden you get someone turn around to you and say hey can you make me a video and you think Okay, yeah, fifty pound, you know, and then before you know it you're charging the next person a hundred pounds and then, you know, again that then that's spirals and, and snowballs as well. And then that I guess how you build a business in essence. <laughs>
0: and um, is that knowing your worth aspect quite difficult i think obviously when you come to selling yourself as a service how do you know what your worth is how do you base your value in terms of what you charge people uh, especially when you're starting out i know i've had issues with that in, in in my side projects of is this the right amount of money to be charging someone i'd be interested to hearing both your opinions on do you do it for the love of it or are you do you need to keep that financial kind of head screwed on a little bit to, to keep it sustainable? Oh, I'll, I'll let
1: Jack take, take that first. That'd be interesting.
2: <laughs> I'll go first. And you, can, you can correct me on this, Ross. I think no, it's... No, um, no, 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 i <laughs> no. <there's, laughs> not at there's, all. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it. I mean, it's very much... Um, at the end of the day, you've got to pay your bills and buy food and do all that. So you've it's, it's got to come to a point if you want to do this as a career, there's a certain threshold you've got to hit. Um, but it, it's really, yeah, it's... it's it's a balance it's it's obviously you've got to make first and foremost your product's got to be good if you're selling it and you've got to be a set if you're going to charge yourself at a certain rate you've got to be able to deliver to that standard um but it's, it's such an intangible industry really a lot of it's based it's it's hard to define exactly what your skills are and I think a lot of it's word of mouth and reputation and it's one of those things if you get on set and you're adding value people look at you they respect you. you you can very much I mean there's there's rate guides out there you can use Beck to APA that kind of dictate what you should be getting when you get to a certain level in the industry but all of a sudden if you can like the big film stars they can command that higher rate because they've got that that presence they bring that much value to a project really so it's i mean there's 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 definitely if you are starting out kind of baseline rates you're going to want to be hitting and that's a a good thing for the industry because if everyone knows that if you're hiring a videographer you've got to be paying this kind of certain fee all of a sudden people aren't going to be undercharged and that will cut each other down and stuff um but yeah it's really i guess end of day bringing a value that you feel comfortable with that you feel you're deserving of that rate and that's, that's not an easy one to get to but you've got to yeah just back yourself and and feel confident in what you're delivering
1: yeah, I, I think Jack's last point there about just backing yourself like is something that people lack a lot. You know, I, I sat down with a friend of mine who um, is an extremely talented drawer, and she was charging like thirty pounds for these these hand it was dot work drawing of like pet portraits. So it was amazing work, and she was charging like thirty pounds. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, right? okay, let's have a little look at this from a business aspect. So, how long do these things take you? And she was like, well, okay, it probably takes me about four five hours like each drawing. And I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough. I'm like, no at all um and then like how much of the paper and stuff oh yeah you know, not much etc etc and then I was like okay cool so um if I asked you to come clean my house for about three pound an hour would you do that and she was like n- no way I will not work for that like that's literally exactly what you're doing like that's that's what it equated to and you could see the penny drop me like Oh yeah. And sometimes it's just understanding that business point and, and knowing your self-worth. And I mean, like, I think for anyone who is just starting like absolute beginner, and there's a couple of strategies that you could use. One is you could just charge yourself out as like a, a minimum wage thing, or, or I generally say to people hundred pound a day. Um, if you're starting out because then it gives you an option to develop your portfolio before you start to get picked for work and that kind of thing. Um, so it, it opens up opportunities for you to go to your local restaurant and offer, you know, and ask for them services or or family, friends, you know, things like that, et cetera. Um, or I think, and all of this relates around portfolio as well. And I'm sure Jack will agree. Obviously portfolio is the thing that really drives your price because Your work needs to speak for itself. So portfolio is is very valuable. If you don't have a portfolio, it doesn't mean that you can't get work, but there's certain strategies. For instance, we would say to people who are doing like a swap strategy or a free of charge one where you might film. uh, I don't know. You might film for a massage therapist in return for some free massages. Okay. Above board, can I just say,
0: we're not asking for any illegal massages, just the normal ones, please. (laughs) Yeah, we could have chosen anything.
1: I don't know why I thought massages. (laughs) But you can do something to that effect, right? And then all of a sudden you can start to swap services and then you're you're building up a portfolio. I mean, obviously that's very niche, but you could do this within fitness, within sports and sports teams and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's things that people can do, but it's definitely tough starting out. I think that that's the hardest thing. And I, I would have definitely asked Jack, you know, how much do you charge? Like, and, and most people are quite open. Like, I wouldn't have a problem if someone asked me that, or, um, you know, I don't, I think most people don't, Hide those things that much. So um, I think just ask people that you know how much do you charge, and give you some kind of idea where you're at in regards to where they're at.
2: It's normally uh, two to three massages for me as a normal uh, normal rate yeah. for a day's work. <laughs> Depends, uh, ed-
1: editing extra. <laughs> um so
0: if i could ask you who are your filmmaking idols who, who are the people that you look up to in your industry because i think that's always important to, to have those people that you aspire to in a sense
1: Yeah, I think, well, for me, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I don't know know why. Uh, My brain just works at a million miles an hour. Um, And I was thinking, I don't really think I have like any inspirations. And I was like, of course. Like for me, it was a company, a US company called Step Studios. And now they produce amazing commercial work for like the NFL, Oakley, major, like their work is phenomenal. Um, But they started out, as filmmakers in the ski industry, it was some of them, I think they were all professional actually. And then again, through injury, some of them started to to start filmmaking. One of them created the business, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very similar story, but they always used to release ski ski films every year. And and I would look up to them both in the sense of wanting to be that athlete, but also uh, when I started filmmaking was like, oh my God, I felt like, yeah, they were just amazing, those guys. And to see what they've gone on to do, um, I'm like, wow, you know, that would be cool. And trying to make
2: that happen. Can we have a, li- a little segment, Tim? Me and Ross can talk about our favourite ski filmers for the next five minutes. <laughs> Step was up there with me. Uh, Michael Clark, Ross, fan of his work, shot the Bobby Brown, that Under Armour famous one there. What's it, the one run? Was that just me, Michael Clark? Was, it, was it the, top, the top, top to bottom top thing? Bottom? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, always yeah, me. That was
1: really cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so terrible with names as well. So when you said that, I had no idea. But then oh I was like,
2: oh okay, God. yeah, I know the film. so <laughs> I think it's the same though. It's like you watch you watch the films that are making content you enjoy. I love Shane McFall's traveling Circus It's always my my guy I looked up to and stuff. And like you say, it's the people. Same story with Stepped I mean, they made amazing ski films, and like you say, making they had the film what they loved, and they got better and better to the point they're making like say phenomenal content and stuff. So it's really just looking at the guys who are that little bit ahead of you, kind of taking their stuff into your into your work, and yeah, and pushing forward.
0: So how do you really manage your creativity day to day? That sounds like a stupid question, but in this, but how do you manage those points where you really don't want to do anything or you kind of get into that creative lull? Because I, I experience it sometimes where I just really don't feel like being creative, but for me, it's, it's a, it's a passion on the side. It doesn't really have much weight on my life. Whereas you guys obviously it is paying the bills. How do you manage yourself so that you aren't, you know, you're on a consistent level with your
2: creativity? Do you want to go, Jack? Over to you, Ross. No, go for it. You are ready to go. Um,
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think, like, um, I have a really strong, like, internal dialogue. That's the the voice, like, inside your head, which actually came to light a few months back that not everyone has this. So some people, we listen to this thinking, that's crazy. What little voice inside your head? Do you guys both have that, by the way? Like, like a voice inside your head that, like, you, you can, like... Talk to yourself inside your head.
2: This is where we scare Ross. He's the only one that's got this voice. He's,
1: <laughs> he's,
0: there, say he's, he's either, no, definitely, definitely Ross, Psychosis yeah. or Morgan Freeman is constantly narrating his life. <laughs> it's one of the two options. Do
1: you guys generally not have that?
0: No, we do. We just
1: obviously, you know, this is video, so I was like, oh, you do not. Um, no, but some people don't. Some like some people don't, and I think that's crazy. But um, anyway. I literally have no idea where I was going with this, with this whole thing. Managing your creativity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then managing creative stuff. Yeah, so I, I honestly just literally sit myself down and I just say to myself, in, in more of a blunt and aggressive term, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Like, why are you not doing this? And you need to get on and do it. And I'll, I'll be pretty brutal to myself because it's like, well, I'm only letting myself down. It's my business. It's my reputation. It's everything else. Like I need to sort this stuff out. There will be a, there will be a tactic on the back of that as well. So then the other side will be like, right. Okay. I am going to do this. Like I'm going to set myself little goals and little targets. And also like, I've got this little chart within order of like priorities and things as well. So then I just set myself one thing to do at that point in time to not get overwhelmed with the enormity of everything else, or just cause I can't kind of be bothered. I'll set myself like one goal to achieve. And cause I'm, competitive generally um I will want to achieve that goal and then when I do then it's like I'm already on the on the ball to the second point etc etc so I take quite like a quite uh um self analytical approach I guess just looking at myself and just being like you know sort this out because it's not going to happen if you don't make it happen (laughs) quite aggressive
2: (laughs) You can I say that that voice and sound your head sounds like he's yeah he's got a got, got a point to prove. He's not messing around. He's got yeah, a temper. Yeah, yeah
1: it's so different to me. Like generally, I'm like oh sorry. <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. I, love it. I think there's um, there comes a point as well. I, I worked in a London agency for a few years, and there kind of comes a point where you, as a dog first, you want to make every video we do the best, most creative, amazing thing. Um, but just, I think it's like, I forget the who the quote. I think it's a Casey Neistat quote: "Inspiration is for amateurs; the rest, of us just show up and get to work." And there comes a point where, like, as, as much as you want to make every film the best, amazing, creative thing you've done, you're always going to try and do that. There comes a point we've been in situations where you're shooting five days a week, uh, sleeping three, four hours a night and stuff, and you, you've got to basically just wake up and make a great product and it kind of comes a point where have got to just suck it up and crack on with it I think that's the point when you, when you officially become a professional when it's that point like you realise you're there to do a job you're going to give all you can regardless how much sleep you've got regardless how inspired you are um, that's yeah the real thing so not, not quite as fun and glamorous as Ross's answer but, um, but yeah I think there's a, a, mix, a point where you've got to just get on and, and, and make it
1: happen I think that's actually really cool Jack actually that you said that because um, yeah and actually something I think that's probably is worth talking about is the difference between being a professional filmmaker, photographer, creative and not. And and that change of like, you know, I'm very fortunate that I love going to work every single day, every day that I get up, you know, yeah, some days, you know, a bit harder than others, but I love my work. I love talking about work. I just love everything about it. Like, um, and I'm sure to our parents' generation is like, wow, that's crazy. You can't have a job that you enjoy. What are you <laughs> like? What's this? Uh, it's like, no, you definitely can. Um, But there is that point, you know, and also it can get down on you creatively as well, because when you start out, you get to do all the things that you want. You ultimately, sometimes when you don't get paid much at the start, you get to create the things that you want to create. But as you move up that ladder, you get to do that less and less. And then you're there to do a job and you're there to make the client happen. You're there to do what is on the breathe. Now you can be creative. Like I'm not saying that this is a creative drainer at all, but, um, you can, uh, you can do that, but it is, it is different and it definitely is different. And, you know, you talking about, you know, not getting much sleep and stuff. I have to be up at 5am uh, and travel into London first thing tomorrow morning, uh, for like a nine hour shoot all day. Uh, so I'll be back late as well. You know, amazing. Love my job. Love being there. It's going to be amazing. It's super, super cool. But there's lots of like things when you have those kind of things back to back, which does happen. Um, it, it, can be a bit like, Oh, okay, cool. Like just getting through this is going to be great. <laughs> and I'll, I'll try and figure out what I've shot at the end of it, you know, and there's a uh, uh, kind of a bit crazy. So I thought that was a really good point. Jack, how we'll- did you find that? So I feel like I'm, I'm not the interviewer. <laughs> but, but how Job Hunter podcast hosted
0: by Ross Welch. <laughs>
1: exactly. I'm taking over. Um, how did you find that transition? Because obviously you started exactly you know, a similar way, like it was just fun. And then, and now you have a proper career, um, that's growing at some rate. So like, how is that so different for you and how have you dealt with that? I think I,
2: I'm probably a bit different I went in when I finished university I went in house at London Sports Agency and all of a sudden overnight it was very much it was that it was you're here from 8 till 6 every day you're doing this your weekends are ours now that kind of stuff um, so it was it was very much forced upon me um, but then I mean you go, you go freelance and it's your time's even less your own to be honest it's your, you then up even later and stuff so it's it's all I, th- I think we're a bit guilty as filmmakers I don't know. I think the best part of our job is telling people you're a filmmaker I don't know if you'd agree, you agree because you get the reaction but then we only, yeah. we only post the good stuff and, stuff, and there's lots of, of times behind the screen people don't see and yeah. i don't know because perspective was a uh, i don't know, cause you, it was new zealand and you were back here and you were was, yeah. it, was it a gradual or was it sorry, sorry. To, to ask some questions sorry we're just diving in in there
0: uh, yeah. i was going to touch on some of the stuff you've done with perspective and, and obviously with, with jamie nichols and people like that in, in, a, in a bit um before we get to that jack i just wanted to ask you first how do you row an ocean and more specifically why do you row an ocean
2: <laughs> I'm probably the wrong person to ask I yeah. didn't, uh, didn't, didn't quite make the cut in that film sadly uh, but no, we did a documentary with uh, with Kaz Lander Meg Hoskin and Eleanor Carey three amazing women Norris Rose who had, uh, who rode 60 I should know the 63 days across the Pacific Ocean uh, breaking two odd records in the process uh, for a little bit of context in so my documentary on that um, and they just loved. They just did it. Essentially, like I say, they, they got up every day. They rode three-hour shifts, slept three hours, and, and I think the biggest takeaway I got from the film was that you can achieve any goal if you take enough strokes. If you want to row across the ocean, you've got to put in an, enough strokes to get there. And um, so that really inspired me with that film. I think it probably applies to filmmaking as well. Like if you want to make a production, you've got to plan it, you've got to shoot it, you've got to edit it, you've got to get it out there and stuff. So that was that was hugely inspiring for that. So I say that was yeah, it was an incredible, st- incredible, uh, incredible story, and incredible privilege to uh, to film
0: that as well. And what was the what was the planning like? How how did you? plan for something like that because it obviously was over a number of days it was something that was planned for years in advance how did you organize
2: the actual documentary itself for such a big project like that I'm I'm incredibly fortunate that I'm secretly you've noticed my university days to a huge if you ever saw my room at university that was had a, a mind wall of post-it notes. Uh, I'm an incredible nerd and geek when it comes to organization and that's what my main role in the company now is to organize and do that kind of stuff. But it's it's just planning. It's literally there's processes you follow, there's um, documentaries are great because you get to go away, read, research a lot, you attack it with an idea, you have a you, you write. I, I normally say for documents like that you write three 10 minute segments you pick your opening link your ending link and you've got to get to that point for each one of them um, and you work on that you, you edit, edit, edit with the plan and eventually you get somewhere that's got a a finished film really so it's it's, it's starting with a plan you'll you'll find probably 75% of the way through you need to shoot half as much stuff again um, and crack on so like I said it's it's really just being organized attacking it with the plan that plan's probably going to change on day one but you just roll with it and and, and think on your feet which is the same really I guess for every video project you do isn't it you you start out with a brief and a plan uh, from the first shot of the day everything changes and you, you go with it you go with the flow
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I, I love that as well. Like bro, you spend all this time planning and uh, then day one, day one it, rains it rains, and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, let's yeah, yeah, skip, skip the plan. The plan. Uh, um That's yeah, a skill. It's sorry, sorry a skill in
2: itself, though, isn't it? Like as videographer, I think, like I'll let you finish. Sorry, to for, but like that's the skill is to be on set and to be able to deal with that. That's unchanged.
1: Yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. our, our whole whole job is literally problem solving. Like, and, and that's the thing, and and it's how quick you can problem solve. And that only comes through experience as well, you know, and from my experience of employing people now, it's allowing them to take those their own steps and, and, you know, make those mistakes. Obviously you hope that it doesn't happen on your best client or anything like that, but you know, there's, there's a learning process, you know, and as long as you learn from it, then, then that's completely fine in my eyes. It's um is if the same things come up time and time again. But I do think that I do think all filmmakers are actually pretty good at problem solving in general, because um, you have to do it because you have to deliver on that project and the client's not going to care whether it's raining outside or not. They, they want their sunset, you know, shot of it going down over the beach or whatever, you know, <laughs> so you need to deliver. <laughs> um, I think that's, yeah, very valid.
0: So, Ross, am I right in thinking you're one of the few people in the world that can follow a professional snowboarder skier over a World Cup rated ski jump?
1: yeah no no you're wrong yeah. completely wrong sorry no, no, I'm not joking. I just I just really liked how that, that went into to the, that question it was very very formal um yes yeah completely right Yes. Yeah. so um yeah to my knowledge I think there's only a, literally a couple of people in the world um so because of my background um I, fought, I, I I've skied over jumps um all my life and and generally from 60 to 80 90 foot somewhere around that and have to perform some tricks um so when I started filmmaking it was like oh hold on like I can take a camera over here oh wait no one's doing this oh that's kind of cool oh but I don't have to do any tricks so in effect all I have to do is just go straight over this jump and hold a camera like yeah I'm down for that. Um, So yeah, you know, I started doing that, and and again, I, I, I've always been super passionate about not being inside any kind of box and not being protective over my camera gear and like, you know, it's insured firstly, but secondly, it's there to be used, and like, your content is only going to look the same as everyone else's if you're just going to do the same thing. Like, if you're not willing to take a few risks, obviously. I appreciate that. I've taken that to some lengths of extreme. Um, but you know, uh, due to that, um, it's led us on some amazing projects and we've got to again, fly over the world, um, filming some projects specifically because of those kind of camera, like camera work stuff. And I actually talk to a lot of people about this now as well and say, you know, I'm always really intrigued to find out people's backgrounds because everyone has a really interesting story. And then it's like, as a filmmaker now, how can you leverage or utilize your existing background? Is there any skills that you've developed like I did with skiing? You know, if you, I don't know, do trampoline and all, you know, they're transferable skills in, in all kinds of industries. And I think that's, that's really cool. But, uh, yeah, I basically get to now follow athletes over large jumps with extremely expensive camera gear and, I've only crashed once. I'm sure that's where we're getting onto. Have you crashed? Um, so yeah, I've only crashed once. Uh, and it was on day number two of a six day shoot for a major car company. And, uh, luckily we brought a spare camera with us, but we just plowed the camera into the ground. Um, I really got this so wrong as well. Like, um, we were filming on this jump and we had someone remotely operating the camera and uh, we wanted to be a little bit closer and I just, for a second, I just did not even think that if I'm closer to the jump, I'm not going to have enough speed. I just thought, Oh, yeah, sure, I'll just go closer. And then I, I was about, uh, you know, if for anyone who skis or, or not, Jack will certainly know this. You know, about a meter before you leave the edge of the takeoff, that you're not going to make it or that you've gone too far or that you're perfect. But you don't know until that point and it's too late. And I was coming up this jump and I was like, Yep, yeah, I'm not. And there's no way I'm even making it halfway. Like, I don't know what's happened here. And I literally hit the deck so hard. And uh, my camera just, I was like hold to the camera and it just went and i was like okay bye um and then i was just picking up all these little bits down this massive jump which was um i hurt my ego probably a lot more (laughs) than than, than it it did i mean it smashed up the 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 camera survived but it smashed up everything else but um yeah there we go
0: have you it's, got any it's, impressive it's, stories like Wiley Coy- Coyote, Jack? Coyote, Jack?
2: I can't believe... I'm, I'm going to tell a story for Ross. I can't believe he hasn't told the story. The, uh, I mean, we're, we're together in Wales filming the bike project. he <laughs> yes. You got the call. I, gonna, I remember this. Just, I
1: was just <laughs> going to say, say that. that. I wonder I if wonder, Jack
2: will yeah, remember that time. that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we got, got the call from, uh, from one of our good friends to jump his, what is, red... It's, it's one of the expensive reds, isn't it? Moby Pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember you getting off the phone and being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Should I, am I going to do this? What should I, Can I do this? And then went out to Lax and smashed it because of the best footage I've ever seen of, of Woodsy on the jump.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, mate, absolutely. So yeah, Jack and I were working on this project, which, which was um, super, super cool. And uh, yeah, I got this phone call and basically saying like um, it's for a major drinks company and, and basically saying like, you know, we would like you as part of the team, like, this is your only job basically. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, cool. Like, let's go for it. But then I was saying to Jack, like, like, can I do this? Like I'm in the UK at this point. So I'm not even on skis. Like it's like, what's my practice time? Like I'm being flown out to, to, and being paid to do this one shot. Like, can I do it? And I've probably got about £110,000 worth of camera gear in my right hand as I go off a big jump, having never gone off a jump with something that heavy before. Um, yeah, I mean, I was so nervous, like, so scared. But you just, I, the same as skiing, like, I think just have, to, you just dig deep a bit and you're just like, yeah, like, come on, like, come on, this is the time to step up. Let's uh, Let's do this.
2: Well um, you, you were down like Hemel the next Friday, you the Friday before, and you were like, right, yeah. I'm going the road in I remember you text me like I've got this, don't worry, I've got this. We come back a week <laughs> oh, later it's beautiful footage. This is making oh, I I loving love this, love this call, mate. This
1: brings back so many good memories. Yeah, so I went to Hemel Hempstead, like local ski slope, um, indoor snow centre. And just to put into comparison, I mean the jump is probably about two metres at at biggest. Um <laughs> and we're now talking about going off of a twenty to twenty-two meter jump, um, and uh, yeah, so I took my heavy camera down there, and I thought I just wanted to get an understanding of how it worked in the air, and like what kind of holding it to my side with the setup that they wanted, how would that feel and stuff, and um, and yeah, and uh, and again, like you know, Jack's the only person that I know that, that that skis around on um, well, skis at at speed um with camera gear, so I, I really value Jack's opinion. Again, just having I. I love our industry. Our industry is so good for collaboration. Um, so many other competition, and um, so many other industries are so competitive, um, and that's the one thing that I absolutely love. It fits my personality like perfectly. I feel like I can reach out to any filmmaker, no matter who they are, and, and just ask them some questions, and they'd be more than willing to help. Um, and that's certainly something I found. And uh, yeah, yeah, I feel grateful because it's times like that where yeah jesus you just want an extra pair of eyes to be like yeah you, you'll be all right or, or no you won't be all right.
0: <laughs> so jack what would you say makes a good film if you you know you were wanting to give some more advice to our new filmmakers out there i'd love to give a bit of value to our listeners out there what, what would you say three things that, that you would say would make a good film if you're going to make one
2: should we, should we all give one each that'd be a nice nice collaborative way to do it on the okay, no. I'll do three then um, <laughs> we do um, say um, oh that's a great question three things that make a film horrible uh, having a purpose having a message I'd say first and foremost um, whatever that message is and if, if it's a positive message that's going to help impact someone's life even better and um, having an engaging story, you kind of, I think a lot of things we forget, we're making videos for brands, things like that. It's, they've got to have a a reason to, you've got to learn something that you didn't know at the start. It's got to follow a journey and and get you someone, tell you some information or, or captivate you and entertain you to keep you going. Um, and, I mean, and beautiful images never hurt I and mean, it's, it's really trying to use you, you can get I mean you can get beautiful images but images with a purpose images that tell some kind of story and it's using storytelling devices the lenses the techniques uh, what you're showing what you're not showing lighting etc um, so a real, a real combination of those three any of, any of those three are going to help you get a good a looking film I would say
0: yeah, I mean, was gonna say Ross, do <laughs> you agree? So <laughs> <What's undue>? Sorry.
1: <laughs> That's right, I know. No, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> can I get to repeat the question again? Because I might just go off with of, like a yeah, uh, uh,
0: what do you think makes a good film? You know, what advice, what three things would you say uh, integral to making a good film? Sure thing.
1: Um oh, I was gonna be I was gonna try and be funny and just be like. Well, firstly filming it, and then secondly editing it, and then, (laughs) Uh, but I won't, I won't do that. Um, I think, I think Jack is spot on. I think really telling a story, like no matter what it is, like it always needs to follow some kind of story. We are storytellers, like and. the challenge is doing that in under a minute now for, for most for most things. But um getting those points across absolutely like kinda helps with that. Um I think uh, to get in a bit more of a detailed side of things as well. I think um being uh just try A B test. A B test, there you go. I'm a huge fan on this. Like try something. If it doesn't work, don't use it. Like it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not costing you money at all. Like you can delete this stuff. So try it, like just be adventurous and do what you think works well. And you'll learn if it doesn't work well and you'll learn better because you have tried it and then you'll know for next time. So I think like be adventurous and then, um, as a, for anyone who's already been doing a little bit of filmmaking, I would always try and add some kind of sound effects because it really brings, um, a, a video to life. Um, whether it's just something small, like some wind or I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, but some kind of dynamic sound really helps make a product or, or whatever comes to life. So, yeah. I think that, yeah, Jack did a great job at that.
2: (laughs) Sorry, I kind of spearheaded that one. Apologies for that. (laughs) Um, I
0: I think we all know that that the creative arts can be quite an up and down industry um, based on a number of factors. What methods can you think of uh, to help people become more financially stable? (sighs) Sorry, I feel that's a really
1: deep question, but it's an important one. Good. Obviously, I guess I from from my experience. I mean, this is, I guess, literally what I'm doing <laughs> with the academy at the moment is, um, you know, training people to create stable businesses. So, so
0: before we get into that, what what is the academy for people that might not know about it?
1: Sure. So um, I started the academy at the start of lockdown, effectively, um, and it is a. Uh, I hate the word online course because online courses have like such a bad name, um, like get rich quick and all this. That's not what it is like. But it is a course that is online and it's 15 hours worth of coaching and, and I take every I take people through everything you possibly need to know for the business side of filmmaking. There's so much amazing stuff on YouTube about learning about the creatives, how to use cameras, editing, and things like that. There's not very many people talking about how to create actual a create a business and create a stable business growing it to that next level so i created this uh, online cor- course and it comes as a whole platform we give people documents to downloads we uh, we have weekly q and a's as well so i'm actively involved it's not just like you buy this thing and, and then nothing happens and on the side of this as well i've also created um free avenues so we have a free facebook group and a free uh obviously like youtube page where i, I post lots of content um But ultimately, it's to to help more people. And now when I started this, like, I honestly, I have such a sense of purpose. Like, I honestly do now. And this is something I hadn't really experienced before because although I loved creating... Videos for brands and stuff. I kind of love that, but it sometimes doesn't feel that purposeful. Whereas helping people—that's something I didn't expect. I always wanted to run a course. Two years ago, I tried to run a course and it just flopped. And lockdown came. I thought, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, but to actually see the the life changing effects it's having on on people's businesses and things is is amazing. I get, you know, it is amazing to see. I, it's you know, it fills me with purpose. So that's effectively what the academy is and. It, then relating it back to your question to create a stable income is, is so important. And now over lockdown and this, this whole period, there are so many opportunities. You may not think it, but there are so many and people just need to go out there and gill it and understand where those opportunities lie and things. Um, and one of the things that we do is put people onto retainers, um, which creates a stable business and a stable platform for us. So they pay us every month in terms return for some of our fees so that's something that you can quite not quite easily ish do but there's methods out there to help and things and i won't bore you to death with it now um <laughs> but that's what yeah that, that's a small thing i'd say
2: I think Ross has really hit the head there. He's absolutely nailed it with that one. I think the only, only thing I can add is it's putting yourself in a financial position to be able to do... A, a, the example I think is we we shot a big documentary this summer and we pretty much lived off savings um, from the like start of lockdown until August. Um, so we can make this documentary and put all invest our money into it. Um, and it's just, it's just being that wise. And when you... When you it's. I appreciate it. With Ross. your when you're model, is a lot more financially stable than the way we run our. We tend to be very feast or famine, but then we we live below our means and that kind of stuff to make sure that we can we can do the project we want to do and that kind of stuff. So it's really just yeah, just be, I guess either getting so that stable kind of income, or if you're gonna do, you think, I know a lot of filmmakers, I know filmmakers that are throwing tens of thousands into their own projects. It's just making sure that you've put the savings aside. You've realised that okay, six months time, I'm still going to be able to pay myself the wage I want to and that kind of stuff. So just being financially, it's very boring financially savvy. What a very right, dull and answer to end the question. That's such a good, that's
1: <laughs> a good point. It is literally like if you want to run this like a business, and run it like a business. You know, the, like uh, understand how much is coming in, how much is going out, what are your profit margins, and those things, and then you'll have a stable business as well. You know, regardless, Um, I'd be interested to see. I don't know how you feel about this, Jack. Like something that I. I kind of get frustrated with from my point at the moment in time is that filmmakers are so happy. We, we love equipment. We, we're all, we're all equipment geeks, right? the newest thing comes out, we want to buy it. It's thousands of pounds, but Hey, you know, it's going to make my work better and I can charge more money. Um, <laughs> but it's really a bit of like a, I mean, there, there is a level, but we're so quick to spend money on equipment because we think that's how we get more clients that that will make our work better. Whereas actually it's the business side of filmmaking. That's what's going to make you money It's understanding how businesses work and operate. And I'm sure as a result, that's why we Jack and I are here today um, because we've understood the business aspect opposed to um, just solely the creative ones, not without the other, but a lot of people just focus on creative.
0: But it's been absolutely fantastic talking to both of you. I'm sure we could talk at length about films, about what we enjoy, everything like that. Um, but sadly, we, we're kind of reaching the end of the, the show. So, um, Also got to yeah. get to
2: bed. He's got that 5am start. He's got to get...
1: Yeah, I know. That's going to be a killer in the morning. They never get easier. <laughs> it's all part of the fun though, isn't it? Absolutely, mate. I wouldn't change
0: it for the world. Um, so so where, can, where can our listeners find you guys on socials?
2: You guys I'm yeah, at, yeah. At, Jack, at Jack at Jack W R Tompkins on uh, Instagram and Ross is at
1: I'm at underscore
0: Ross Welch. Brilliant. I'm, I'll put some more information on our Facebook group uh, to all the links where you can find out more about the Perspective Academy and some helpful other tips that you can get off the, off the guys. Uh, I'm sure they can answer some questions on there as well. Um, as I said, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to both of you today. And uh, I look forward to seeing all of your ski and non-ski related um, content coming out, hopefully over Christmas, uh, whatever. Um, and yeah, it's, as again, it's just been an absolute pleasure
1: thanks so Thank much for, for having, having us this, mate honestly yeah it's been great and jack it's been amazing to see you as well mate so i'm glad you're keeping well
2: good to see you too i'll have to uh, post lockdown get hemel and we'll, uh, we'll catch up properly
0: Once again, I want to say a massive thank you to Ross and Jack for kindly giving me their time on a busy work night. I hope everything went well with your 5am shoot, Ross. If you want to find out more about getting into filmmaking or how to run a successful production company, check out the Perspective Academy. All the links will be in our Job Hunter podcast support group. As always, you can find us at Jobhunterpod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter or contact us at jobhunterpodcast at gmail.com. Right now down to business. I need your help. If we can reach 100 ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts by 2nd of December I will select one lucky person to win a £20 Amazon voucher just in time for Christmas. If you take a screenshot of your review and email it to me I will give you an additional chance to win. It literally takes two seconds to do and it will really help the show's visibility by getting us to the newer, noteworthy section of Apple Podcasts. What's your excuse? There's 20 quid in it for you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's edition. Tune in same time next week for more stories on the Job Hunter podcast.